0: An independent commission is to be established in the United States to investigate the incursion by supporters of former US President Donald Trump into the Capitol building on the 6th of January. Haiti's president Jovenel Moise refuses to stand down as protests against him continue across the country. And a new kind of fairy tale unfolds at Disney as the company's subscription service, Disney Plus, looks set to beat its rival Netflix in the subscriber stakes for the first time. Monocle's editors and correspondents are here to discuss those stories today, here on the late edition on Monocle 24. <music> Hello there and a very warm welcome to you to the Late Edition here on Monocle 24. It is Tuesday the 16th of February and I'm Thomas Lewis. And joining us today are Ed Stocker, Monocle's Europe editor at large. He's in Milan for us and from London, Monocle 24's Daniel Bache. Daniel, Ed, great to have you both with us on the programme today. Ed, I hope you don't mind my mentioning this, but a little bird has said that tomorrow is quite a special day for you.
1: Yes, indeed, uh, Tom. Uh, You know, you may not know it from my uh, mature sounding vocal cords, but uh, it's actually my 21st birthday tomorrow. Uh, 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 Actually, I lie. Okay, it's my 40th. This is the last day. You should be lucky, Tom, and, and all Monocle listeners, in fact, that they're hearing me on my last day in my 30s. Special times.
0: Last day of youth. Well, a very happy birthday to you, Ed Stocker. And Daniel Bache, is an equally momentous week for you there in London, shaping up so far.
2: Yeah, uh, t- tomorrow marks Wednesday for me. Another glorious <laughs> episode of The Entrepreneurs will be released. <laughs> and of course, we'll uh, tip the hat to uh, Mr. Stocker over in italy uh but yes busy as ever and i can't believe i'm going to say this but uh happy that it is uh back to rain and not so much snow and cold here in london just 10 degrees and rain as ever tom
0: well i hope you're staying warm and dry therefore <laughs> daniel daniel Beach and ed stocker thanks very much to the two of you for being with us on the program today Well, on Capitol Hill yesterday, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the US House of Representatives, announced that an independent commission would be established to investigate the violent riot in the Capitol building on the 6th of January. The Senate on Saturday voted to acquit Donald Trump of the charge of inciting the mob that broke into the building, leaving five people dead. On today's edition of The Briefing, we spoke to Scott Lucas, who's a professor in US politics at the University of Birmingham in the UK, and he explained for us what the commission's remit was likely to be.
2: And inevitably, headlines will talk about uh, Donald Trump's instigation of this, his rhetoric, his attempt to overturn the election, but it has to go beyond Trump. There are questions about security, why there wasn't adequate security on the day, why there wasn't enough information about a possible attack in the weeks leading up to January 6th, and especially the recommendations to make sure that this doesn't happen again, irrespective and well beyond a guy named Trump.
0: Scott Lucas there, speaking to us a little earlier today. Um, Ed, to begin with you, Nancy Pelosi described the scope of the commission that's being planned here in similar terms to the 9-11 commission that investigated the attacks on the US in 2001. The perceived need to establish an independent investigation team like this following what happened on the 6th of January. In your mind, has that been sharpened for the Democrats in the light of how the Senate impeachment trial ended on Saturday, do think? Notably that, that Donald Trump was effectively found not guilty.
1: Well, I think yes and no. Obviously, there's disappointment at some point weeks ago, where there was a suggestion, you know, will Republicans turn? But at the end of the day, they weren't. or well, most of them weren't prepared to do that. They weren't prepared to sort of abandon Donald Trump and the Republican Party that he very much built around his figure. Well, I say yes and no, because as Scott Lucas was was pointing out there uh, on that clip, this won't just be about politics. You know, this will be uh, a, an evenly split commission. You know, the reference to the 9-11 commission was obviously even between Democrats and Republicans uh, back in 2002, 19 days of public hearings and a whopping 1,200 interviews uh, taken, uh, done by uh, that commission. But the reason I talk about Scott Lucas is the fact that, you know, this of course does have to go beyond Donald Trump. It won't just be the Democrats trying to sort of investigate Trump all over again, after uh, the failed uh, conviction uh, from an impeachment. Because whether or not you believe that Donald Trump incited the violence and that mob, there were serious shortcomings that, as, again, Lucas said, do go beyond Donald Trump. There were question marks over why the National Guard was so slow to deploy. And the point of all these commissions... And, you know, we've seen them in so many different countries and opinions always tend to be divided, really, once they finish their job as to how effective they have been. We've seen them everywhere from Rwanda to Chile to one I remember from my childhood, of course, South Africa, when you saw victims questioning perpetrators of crimes. Of course, we're not going to see anything quite as dramatic in this commission But there'll need to be important questions to, to, to make sure that something like this doesn't happen. What's certainly true is that this is established, you know, this is something that had never happened before. And so in order for it to avoid it happening again, important questions will need to be answered. And we'll need to know why forces were unprepared. And so hopefully it won't just descend into democrat versus republican the whole point is that it will be an impartial both sides together on this one obviously when we talk about the 9-11 commission there is a bit of a difference and the difference is that you know back then you know, you know it was an attack on american soil uh, there was a feeling of patriotism the country was united there was a common sense of a foreign if you like evil and obviously this is a very different case because uh, opinions are still so split on the figure of Donald Trump. But just to finish what I'd say is if this commission is going to be successful, they're going to somehow have to get the people within the commission are going to somehow uh, ha- have to get beyond the figure of Donald Trump and uh, be able to come together to answer some of those deeper questions about security going forward, Tom.
0: And Daniel, as Ed touched on there, how effective do you think, very broadly speaking, commissions such as these tend to be, these bodies tasked with getting to the truth of a big national moment of consequence? Is it possible, do you think, to speak in broad terms about the effectiveness of these kind of commissions as a whole, or does it really depend on the specifics of the case being examined?
2: I think it depends on the case certainly, Tomas, but at the same time I think what can be said about many commissions, and and Ed touched on a a number of them there, is that it gives an independent body time to digest and investigate things further, which no matter what the outcome is, uh, allows sort of uh, the public, which is the most important thing, to more better understand sort of things that happen you know you think of uh big plane crashes uh, in in past so perhaps there aren't uh, criminal charges that come of that or, or or justice but it allows uh for some healing allows for some understanding it allows for recommendations to be given to transport safety boards let's say if we're talking uh about things like uh, historical action. Ed touched on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa. Of course, just uh, a couple of years ago in Canada, we wrapped up our own Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which looked at the consequences, uh, legacy of residential schools, which it's almost amazing to say this, Tomas, but I didn't learn about these happenings in residential schools and and the very sad history of a lot of indigenous peoples in our country until I was a history major in university. This wasn't something that was taught in social studies classes, uh, as they're known in Canada, history classes for children. It just is not something I knew about whatsoever. And you look at the social uh, implications of that and what has happened to indigenous people in Canada. And there is a, a cause and effect absolutely that I think many more people in Canada now understand. So I think these commissions, when they're separated from politics and, the, and there's not uh, uh, there, there's no winner in the game and nobody has a sort of a, a stake in, in their career. It's taken away from uh, influence, especially in America where there's big, Corporate and, and, and lobbying bodies that uh, are involved and people are thinking about their jobs in their party. Of course, you know, what would the vote have been if, if there was no Democrat and Republican parties in the U.S.? Who, who would have sided for or against Donald Trump there? So I think in this case, it's interesting to look at... Uh, the events what unfolded what are the things that can be changed to make sure that history doesn't repeat itself and, and ed touched on it exactly uh the security situation around the capital. so uh, i think these can be very important if only for people uh getting a better picture of of everything that uh, led up to events and and uh, as i say uh wider social consequences if we're talking about uh, things like truth and reconciliation in canada
0: Next here on the late edition, protests have continued in Haiti in a standoff between the country's president, Jovenal Moïse, and demonstrators who claim that his term ended on the 7th of February and that he's violating Haiti's constitution by remaining in office. President Moïse disagrees. He's claimed that his term, which began in 2017, will end next February, an assertion that has been backed up by the US and by the United Nations. Ed, to begin with you, you have reported from Haiti for Monocle in the past. The current protests that are taking place there now, they haven't come from nowhere, have they? They're the latest flashpoint in a presidency that to many Haitians now demonstrating has had all the hallmarks of of a fledgling dictatorship. Please correct me if that's stating things a little strongly, but something that is something, of course, that Haiti has a pretty grim history with during the the 20th century, parts of it at least.
1: Yeah, I mean, a really sad story. Obviously, you know, this is the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, over 60% of the country uh, lives in poverty. I've been there and reported uh, in 2012, two years after the earthquake. And I actually travelled overland from the Dominican Republic, which, of course, shares the same island with Haiti. And you just see the difference when you cross that border. Uh, two countries split uh, and, and divided so different in terms of uh, politics, wealth, etc. Um, yes, it's had a a, sad, a very sad story. I, I, you know, I referenced the 2010 earthquake, which, of course, killed 200,000 people. And then after that, there was, of course... A cholera outbreak that was uh, brought to the country or or, or basically spread uh, around the country uh, from a UN source, uh, according to reports. Um, The history in terms of politics, yes, there have been dictatorships, uh, people having to flee the country. The most notorious, of course, being uh, Papa Doc Duvalier, who then died and uh, his son was then president for life. After him, Babi Doc, who assumed the presidency at the age of just 19, and of course, their rather ruthless uh, militia, known as the Tutan Makut. Um, in terms of this current president, Moy's uh, you know, opinions will be split about whether he should step down or whether indeed his term does extend through until 2022. The argument being that the first year that he was in power was an interim government. As you mentioned a little earlier, Tom, uh, that the State Department does say that uh, his mandate should be recognised up until 2022, February of 2022, and then fresh elections held. The point of contention when you mention the word dictatorship, um, well, look, he has been ruling uh, by presidential decree since last year, and that is uh, controversial to say the least. Um, What does that mean, presidential decree? Well, it means that two-thirds of the Senate has been suspended. Of course, that is the upper chamber. Uh, The lower chamber has been suspended entirely, as has the rule, essentially, of every mayor in the country. 11 elected officials are are governing 11 million people. He suspended uh, a lot of uh, these powers um, back in 2019 when there were... Well, sorry, last year, but there were protests back in 2019. And it's just... A sad story, as I mentioned before, the fact that there's this cycle of political instability, uh, there've been natural disasters added to it, and, and, and there doesn't seem to be much that's helping everyday Haitians. It, as if that weren't bad enough, there's been a string of, of kidnappings, for ransom. It's been called a sort of epidemic in the country, more so in many ways than coronavirus. And there is a suggestion uh, from some that this was actually started. These groups of people were actually unfurled by the president, obviously, hotly denied by the president. But originally, these groups seemed to be targeting political opponents of the president and his entourage. Uh, the suggestion now that these groups have got too big and out of control uh, and a sort of rampant among Port-au-Prince and other cities in Haiti. So a really tricky situation and it feels, you know, just... You know, there were just recent protests in the country. The protests look like they'll be ongoing, and it feels a little bit like a ticking time bomb. Uh, We hope that the country doesn't explode into further violence and more instability, but it's hard to see at this moment how it could be pulled back from that, given how split people are over MOIS.
2: The European Union has a big stake in Haiti as well, along with the US, the UN, the other bodies you pointed out there. You know, on Sunday, it was 35 years since uh, Baby Doc Duvalier was was uh, overthrown, and it perhaps should have been a momentous occasion for people that were out demonstrating. But sadly, they're uh, again demonstrating against uh, corruption and and uh, what they see as a power grab. I think when I say stability, that has to do with the election that they will hope to see, as Ed alluded to, and by. Allowing the president to stay, it will give them some sense of uh, what they're working towards and uh, allow them to uh, perhaps uh, support uh, fair elections, we should say, with all the uh, interests in Haiti, uh, I mean, it is, as we've pointed out, a very, uh, very poor country and, and in very bad shape. Uh, the current president uh, blamed for making that worse, if that's even possible. There is no electoral commission. So that is hugely concerning. So I think uh, working towards any sense of normalcy, whoever is in power to, to provide a bit of that stability is is the key that's being looked at at, at this point. Uh, and uh, uh, we'll hope that uh, things can uh, calm down. So uh, we see some uh, some more people involved in in the uh, democratic process, if that can happen uh, in that next election.
0: Well, finally here on The Late Edition, some buoyant news for Disney, as a new piece of analysis has forecast that its subscription service, Disney+, Plus, which it launched in 2019, is set to overtake Netflix in the new subscriber stakes by 2026, if the current rate of sign-up continues. Monocle's culture editor is Chiara Rumella and she had more for us on this story on The Briefing today.
3: Yes, this is recent research uh, by digital TV research saying that Disney Plus is forecast to overcome Netflix in terms of users by 2026. Now, it doesn't say that it will overcome it in terms of uh, actual takings um but it's interesting to to note that you know disney plus has made quite a skyrocketing growth over the last period despite launching as we all know much later than netflix though it's interesting also to note that its enormous growth its enormous forecast growth is likely going to have to do with the fact that it has acquired hotstar which is a streaming service in india and it's going to roll out the hotstar uh, brand across more asian countries in the coming years um but you know we have talked so much about how you know, Netflix was a disruptor in the small screen industry. And obviously we have seen streaming players pop up and follow in this route, but it's, I think it's really remarkable that it's a relatively, you know, a, a legacy media company that's now eventually coming to the fore again. So perhaps you do need the disruptors to change the model, but media companies that do have the might to operate and the money to commission new work, etc., cetera, um, still may be able to come out on top
0: the very end. Kiara Romella there, Monocle's culture editor, speaking to us a little earlier today. Uh, Daniel, maybe you could unpick um, some of the numbers there that, that Kiara sort of outlined in what she said there, because it does, again, as she hinted at, seem like a pretty remarkable forecast for Disney+, Plus, doesn't it? A service that was only launched a little more than a year, a year ago.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. I really enjoy watching this sector right now because it's just become so competitive. Obviously, Netflix has had a remarkable rise in recent years, and, and others have... Uh, begin to have uh, began to uh, catch up or uh, perhaps going to surpass as, as we say here but um, Disney is fascinating because as was pointed out it is a bit of a legacy brand there but like any company it needs to switch into gear and, and, and really change its offering if it's going to survive You know what these uh, streaming companies have now become is is content creators and and the new studios so you know we we talked uh, yesterday on the briefing and today on the globalist about uh, the world of cinema and and the the box office numbers and the fact that people that are trying to go now aren't getting a chance to see new or big budget films because those are being held back well it's incredible to see the 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 money and resources going to the shows that are that are on these services and a lot of the times exclusive amazon uh, netflix uh, and now disney have some incredibly incredible exclusive uh, television and film but i think of uh, what disney is doing as I say, a lot like a lot of other rising companies are doing at the moment and not really thinking of as themselves in one category or another. I was thinking earlier today about this and the idea of Disney thinking more like a tech company came up. And I love that idea because it tracks back and actually has a good Disney connection I uh, for the entrepreneurs Interviewed the new, new ish CEO of Fender, which is a, a heritage uh, guitar company. They are a hardware company, right? But he comes, he was the head of product for Disney beforehand as huge changes were going on there, not just in the Disney Plus side streaming service, but in the entire company as it reimagined itself. And Fender has become a tech and content company as well because they know that the sort of market for hardware which they have been in for 75 years is is not going to really grow exponentially but if they want to be a big player in other fields well, then they have to use their brand and, and, and switch gears and become more of a, a content media, full scale media brand, which is which is really interesting. So, you know, a lot of other uh, companies we could throw into this category as well. Apple doing the same right from hardware to really content and, and, and streaming as well. So very competitive world. But as I say, fascinating to watch. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens next
0: and ed kiara and daniel both make good points don't they the word disruptor has become a pretty common part of our vocabulary but here we have a company like disney a legacy uh, outfit posting a real contest with those who disrupted the the broadcasting landscape the the production landscape in the first place
1: yeah and really the first sort of uh of those uh traditional companies to really do that i think it's interesting because uh, they don't have that many new shows. They're drawing on the fact that they have such an epic back catalogue of of content for the moment. And I think something else that's worth pointing out is price point, because it's a lot cheaper to get Disney Plus than it is to get Netflix. I think in talking in US dollars, roughly an average price for Netflix is around $11 and I think uh, Disney Plus is around $4. So I think the fact that it's so much cheaper makes it a lot easier uh, for people to part with that money and may explain why they've been able to get to those figures in such quick time. I think it would be interesting to see, you know, despite all these projections for how their numbers are going to grow and how they could overtake Netflix... I wonder if it it will be enough for, um, you know, people who are subscribing to be able to delve into that big back catalogue that I mentioned, or if, you know, there's going to be a real ramp up in new content uh, as part of this service and whether that will mean that they will have to raise the subscription price, as we've seen Netflix do, in fact, in order to be able to pay for that new content. It will be interesting to see if that happens and how that could affect Uh, the new numbers going forward.
0: Well, in honour of that vast back catalogue, Ed, that you described there, I tweaked the goodbyes. To today's programme. You'll see how we get on very shortly. But Ed Stocker in Milan and Daniel Beach in London, bringing us a whole new world of insight and analysis as always. Thank you for being with us on the programme today. Thanks too to Louis Allen, who's done another super alladocious job of editing today's programme. The late edition Circle of Life rolls ahead to the same time tomorrow. And I do hope you'll be our guest then. I'm Thomas Lewis. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you tomorrow we